You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Good morning, East Point Church. How are you? It's good to be with you. It is good to sing together, isn't it? I love it. I love a full room singing because when you sing it, you truly believe it. You know what I mean? Like when you are singing something, that is evidence that the truth has penetrated beyond just what's here and there is conviction and there is affection and affirmation and all of those things. And so thank you for singing um, this morning. I usually sit in front of the congregation because if I were to sit behind you and sing, Yeah, you may not want to sing anymore, you know what I mean? That will not be a joyful noise to the Lord. It would just be a noise. Um, But we like to sing. In my household, we enjoy singing. We are successfully instilling a love for song, even in our children, you know? And so we do a lot of car songs. Any, Any car song families? You guys know that the wheels on the bus, they go round and round, right? And they never stop. Never stop. Daddy, sing the bus. Sing the bus. The bus is dead, son. You know, it's like, come on. And so I, I love singing. I'm a shower singer. I'm not a stage performer. I sing in the shower. I sing in the car. But I have this little quirk about me, and I'm going to share it with you because I think this is a safe space. I am verifiably, literally, the worst in the world at lyrics. Anybody else with me there, right? I love singing, but my wife reminds me, but you don't know any of the words. And I'm like, why do you need words to sing, (laughs) you know? And I just sing, and I'm afraid that I'm passed on this trait to my children. Like, I'm the kind of guy that I do karaoke, and I'm like, I'm so excited for karaoke. Put on that one song. What's the title? I don't even know the title. I just, like, know one line. I go put that on, and I'm, like, reading the words, and I'm like, have those been the words the whole time? That's what they've been singing about? I had no, it changes everything. And so it's funny, I think I've passed this on to my children because my children, they sing. And they're in the car, but they're making up their own words. You know what I mean? And they're just, ah, blah, blah. And they're just doing whatever comes to their little minds. And it takes you a while to go, what are they trying? Oh, you're way off. Way off. I remember this one time we were in the car and you don't even realize what's happening behind you in the minivan. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Parents of small children. And it's ah, la, 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 la. And they're just singing, singing, singing. And one day, I turned on the radio, and I listened. And me and my wife are driving, and we go, listen to what they're saying. And this is what Micah was, was singing, right? And the, the flavor of that day was, um, rain, rain, go away, come on back another day. And that's what we had been singing in the car. And so I hear in the back seat, ah, 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 and, I'm, and I'm tuning in. I go, wait a minute, what is he saying? And he's singing this, pain, pain, go away, come on back another day. If only it were that easy, huh? If only it were that easy, pain, pain, go away, come on back another day. Friends, we're going through a song of our own this year, not a car song, not a children's song. We, for the last few weeks, have been going through a song that we find in the book of Psalms. And so you'll realize as you turn your Bible uh, to to Psalms, we're on page 470. For those of you using our blue and white Bibles, we're in Psalm 43. And if you look at the Psalms, you realize that the book of Psalms is actually not a book at all. It's more like a playlist. 
Psalms, it's a collection of songs. It is more like the playlist of God's people. It is the music and the poetry that has provided a backdrop for all of the various experiences that God's people are experiencing. And so for the last few weeks, we are in one of these songs in the second album, and the name of our song is Cast Down. Cast Down. And this song is beautiful. This song is raw. This is a real song. And as we listen to the song, as we listen to the lyrics, we realize that this song gives us an expression. It gives us words to express how we are feeling in seasons of pain. It's the kind of song that we put on when we need to express ourselves in seasons of grief. It's, it's so appreciated because there are seasons where all we can really muster are sobs and tears, but God has given us this psalm to express ourselves, to pray it, to cry it, to sing it, to read it, to reflect on it. And so this is our final week of being in this song. And so just as way of recap, let us go back behind the lyrics. Let's do a little bit behind the story, the making of this song. Why are the sons of Korah writing this song? Well, you might recall that David is on the throne and one of his sons, one of the princes named Absalom, is conducting a coup. His own flesh and blood son has stolen the hearts of the people. He has spread lies about his father. He has spread lies about the current administration. And so he has stolen the hearts of the people. And now, with the popular vote in hand, with an army of forces, he is now marching on the capital of Jerusalem to upend his father and sit on the throne as the king of Israel. And so we see behind the lyrics here in 2 Samuel 15, And a messenger came to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. And so David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, or else there will be no escape for us from Absalom. And so David flees. He brings all of his leaders, his cabinet, including his worship leaders, the sons of Korah. And so here are the sons of Korah. They're fleeing for their lives. They're in exile, running out of Jerusalem. And deep in their grief, they write this song. And for the last few weeks, we've seen they are sinking in grief, and yet they continue to fight back. They continue to try and regain some perspective. They write this chorus that they sing to their own souls three times. And we saw in the first week, they're drowning in their grief. But here's how they remember. They say, soul, remember, soul, remember what he's done for us in the past. And remembering his past salvation gives us hope for the future. And then they're back under again, verse 2, and they're drowning. And, and even last week, we saw some hard things, Remember? The psalmist, he's processing his grief and he comes to the realization, if God is sovereign, then he has allowed these things to happen to me. And so he's expressing his grief, but he realizes, wait a minute, wait a minute, yes, these are from God, but I can trust in him because he's Yahweh. God's loving faithfulness is our rock when we are sinking in sorrow. And last week we learned, sometimes it's not about getting over it, but getting on it, on the rock. 
And so here we are in our last verse, friends, and we are going to see the last verse of this song cast down. We are going to see our psalmist processing the pain. Out loud, he is going to be processing the pain, and I want us to listen to his pain. That's what we're going to do this morning. I want us to listen to him process the pain, not because your pain is identical to his. It's not. Not because we want to compare, well, your pain compared to my pain, and you don't even know pain, right? We're not doing any of that. We are going to, the ne- for the next few moments, we're going to listen to him process the pain because the Lord wants to teach us something very important about dealing with our pain. The Lord wants to teach us a timeless and powerful truth that will transform us, church. It will transform us not only in this season of pain, but in every season of pain that you will ever experience again. God wants to teach you something about it. And so as we dive in here, there's no quick cliches, no quick tips and easy answers. There are no magic wands to wave over three ways to make your pain disappear. We're going to get something so much better, something so much better. And so are you ready for this this morning? Are we ready to process the pain? We're beginning, starting here, uh, Psalm 43, beginning in verse 1. Let's read the whole thing, and then we'll break it down. Look what it says. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This is God's word for East Point Church this morning. Those five verses. So let's go back. Let's look at the first verse here. We're going to read it again, and we're going to see what happens. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Let's just pause there. It's pretty obvious our psalmist is having a painful dilemma that is dominating the headlines of his life. This is a difficult situation. It's the kind of situation that consumes his thoughts. When he's falling asleep at night, this is where his mind goes. When he wakes up in the morning, this is the first thing he thinks of. Our psalmist is the victim of unjust slander. Unjust slander. People are saying things that aren't true. And no one is coming forward to defend his cause. No one is coming forward to say otherwise. He says here, the perpetrator He is a deceitful and unjust man. Guys, this is not a clerical error, okay? This is not an innocent mistake or just an innocent misunderstanding. He says, no, 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 what this guy is saying about me, this is the intentional oppression of the enemy. This is intentional cruelty. This is ongoing injustice. 
This is the kind of slander. These are the kind of lies that you look at them and you go, how does such a person even sleep at night? How can he, what? How can they possibly say this and sleep with a good conscience? Well, we know the answer. It says they're an ungodly people. They don't fear God. And so friends, they are sleeping just fine. Thank you very much. And so this has gone on for some time. Our psalmist is worn down. There is no more that he can do to vindicate himself. And so with tears streaming from his eyes, he reaches over, he picks up his pen, and he writes the final verse of his song. And he starts the song like this, Vindicate me, O God. Clear my name. Show the world that I am right and they are wrong. God, would you defend my cause? I feel like I'm in court and the entire jury is filled with false witness after false witness after false witness. And so God, would you defend my cause? Would you stand up like a master defense attorney and would you acquit me? Would you show their accusations to be baseless and false? God, please vindicate me. Defend my cause. When you read it out loud, you can see it's clearly not the first time that he's asked God to do this, right? This is not, like, like I don't picture him saying, dear God, would you please vindicate me? Because here's what I'm going through. That's not how I hear it. It's God, vindicate me already. God, I'm tired of this. What are you waiting for? Why haven't you done this? Deliver me. Why has this gone on so long? God, why have you let me down? God, why? God, why? And that's his first prayer. God, why? Why, God? Like a good writer, he captures his pain in these poignant words. He says, God, why do I go about mourning? He's mourning here. He has experienced the death of justice. He is grieving the loss of truth. This is a sham, and so he's mourning. He feels forgotten. He feels rejected by God. This has gone on so long that he cannot help but feel like God has left him here intentionally. Does anybody in this room know the pain of unsubstantiated slander? Anybody in this room, can you imagine what it's like to have your name dragged through the mud? Have you ever been lied about? Have you ever had someone create a deceptive narrative about your situation to make you look worse? You know, if you've ever been in that situation, you know that in that moment, no microphone is loud enough, no, no rooftop is high enough, no platform is big enough for you to scream out and say, it's not true. It's not true. And so he, I know what that feels like. And so here's what's so amazing to me. Our psalmist, he doesn't turn to social media to clear his name. Our psalmist doesn't take out an ad campaign. Our psalmist is not going door to door with pamphlets saying, well, you have to understand. Let me get the other side of the story. Do you see what's going on here? He knows that all of that would be useless. Instead, he turns to his only hope for justice. He knows that his only refuge from the oppression, his only shot at a defense is God. His only chance to be cleared is God.
And yet here's the painful heart of our psalm. He can't help but wonder, how's that working out for me? (laughs) How's that working out for me? I trust in God. And where has that gotten me? God is my defender, but where is he at? God, I've turned to you and you've let me down. Why? I've taken refuge in you, God. And yet this, even if you've never experienced what I'm talking about, slander, injustice, deceitful narratives, I'm sure that you can resonate with this sentiment. There's something in your life, there has been or there will be a time in your life where you, just like the psalmist, you have said, God, why? God, where are you? I'm mourning, God. I'm mourning over here. Do you see me? God, I'm taking refuge in you, and yet it still feels like you've rejected me, God. Why? God, I've trusted in you, and nothing has changed. Why? Ever been there? Why? And so now let's get real for a moment, okay? Depending on your upbringing, depending on your, um, maybe even your personality or your temperament, you might have two different reactions to the question of God, why? Some of you in this room, even as I'm talking, some of you in this room, you're frowning at this display of emotion. You're hearing the psalmist ask these questions and you're going, ooh, I mean, hey, hey, psalmist, easy there, Easy, don't cross the line. Hey, do you know who you're talking to like that? God, why don't, I don't, who are you to ask God, old little man, right? And so some of us frown and we go, ah, oh, it feels uncomfortable. Others of you in this room, right, you, you respond to the display of emotion and you're just so quick to give quick answers. God, why? What a silly question. Come on, obviously suffering produces character and character produces perseverance. And come on, obviously, I mean, come on, don't you know God is sovereign? Come on, come on, it's a silly question. You already know, right? God is going to allow things to you because blah, 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 blah. And you have a quick, easy, theological answer. Count it all joy. The testing of your faith is good for you. James chapter one, remember? But friends, here's what I love about this psalm. Oh God, here is what I love about this psalm. When our souls are cast down, the Lord does neither. When our souls are cast down, God in heaven, he allows us the space for raw processing. God isn't insecure. God doesn't take offense at your questions and you're processing the pain. God also doesn't cut the psalmist off. He also doesn't cut you off with quick answers. Why would you even ask that? Come on, didn't you read Romans 4? Come on, didn't you read James 1? Didn't you... No, no, no. God gives us the gift of being a good listener. God made us as emotional beings. And so he gives us the gift of not having to bottle it up and stuff it down. He gives us the gift of being able to just come to him and process. And friends, you know what it's called when we process out loud toward the Lord? It's called prayer. He's just praying. Do your prayers sound like this? Are your prayers real? Do you pray dear God prayers? Or do you pray, oh Lord. He's real. And the Lord is giving him the gift to be able to process the way that he is. And so tell me, friends, what is your pain this season? 
What is making you say, God, why? God, where are you? God, I'm mourning here. What is your pain this season? Tell him. Tell him, friends. That's our God. You can tell him. This is so refreshing. You see, I don't know about you, but me, when I'm talking to people, you know how there's like that constant filter in your mind of, well, I want to make sure I don't come across as this, and I want to make sure that this isn't misinterpreted this way, but if I say that, they may think that I'm over here, and I'm not over here, but I won't. And it's exhausting. You ever start to like write a Facebook post, and then like 15 minutes later, you're like, I'm not an author. What am I doing? Delete. I'm just, I can't even. I don't want to be, I don't want people to think I'm this. I'm just trying to share scripture, and I feel like I can't even do. There's none of that with the Lord. There's none of that. We come to him as we are and we just tell him. We bring him our pain. We tell him how we feel. We ask him our questions. Do you feel like God has rejected you? Do you feel like you have the pain to prove it? You can tell him. He's big enough. He's good enough. You can tell him. As a matter of fact, he wants us to. He wants us to say, God, why? And do you know why? Because when we bring our pain to God, when you bring your raw emotions and pain to God and you process out loud, he actually gives us something in return. He gives us light and truth. Look at the next part of our verse. He says, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the liar, O God, my God. This psalmist, he asks why, right? He's expressing his pain. He says, God, this is what I'm feeling. And yet, at the same time, our psalmist has enough self-awareness that he realizes, God, I need help. I need help. This is how I feel. But Lord, I know that I don't have a perfect objective perspective. I know that I don't have God's vantage point on my situation. I know that I'm blinded and a little bit jaded by pain. I'm groping in a dark place to try to make sense of this. And so he's going to ask, God, why? But then he also asks, even while sitting in his pain, even with the questions rattling in his mind, he has enough faith to ask this, God, would you send out your light and your truth. God, I'm in a dark place here. Would you light the way? Would you give me your light to lead me? God, I don't even know which way is up anymore. I can't even trust my own thoughts or my own heart. So God, would you bring me truth? I think of a lighthouse. Think of a lighthouse on a dark, stormy night, and the beacon of light is showing people the path. It is showing people the way. By its light, it is guiding people home. And the psalmist says, Lord, give me your light just like that. Lead me to the one place where things start to begin to make more sense. Bring me to the one place where pain begins to give way to perspective. God, would you bring me, because I don't even have the energy to come myself, would you bring me to you? Bring me, God, into your presence. God, I want to be there, but I can't even make there on my own. So God, bring me near. God, why? And then number two, God, bring me near. 
He says, God, bring me to your holy hill. We know, Bible readers, we know what was on that hill in Jerusalem, right? It's the tabernacle. The tabernacle, the physical dwelling place of God, the reminder to all of God's people that he has made his dwelling in their midst. And so he says, I want to be on that hill. I want to be where God is. I want to go there. I don't just want to look outside from afar. He says, I want to come into the, to the most inner part. I want to come to the altar. I want to go to the place where your presence is most potent, most concentrated, God. I want to be where you are. I need to be in your presence right now. God, bring me near. Why? Why so eager? with all the questions he has and all the pain he's feeling, why such an eagerness to get to the presence of God? Why such an eagerness, even when he's mad at God, why such an eagerness to come near to God? Because he knows that when he's in the presence of God, something powerful happens. He knows that when he's in the presence of God, things begin to change, not necessarily out here, but in here. You see, he knows that when he gets to the presence of God, look what he's going to do. He says, I will praise you. He knows that if he can get into the presence of God, he's going to go from shouting grievances to shouting praises. If he can just get there, he will go from questioning God to blessing God. He knows that he will experience a transition from excessive mourning to exceeding joy. He says, man, I know this to be true. I, he's even going to bust out his liar. And the dude is no doubt raw on the liar. You, could just, you thought Daniel was good. The sons of Korah, woof. He's going to be praising in God's presence. Quite the turnaround, huh? Quite the transformation from God, why, to God, I will praise you. So what's changed? How is he going to get from from the first verse to verse four here. How, how, how can you account for such a transformation? He's at the altar. He has drawn near to the Lord. That's what's different. In his pain, he has come into the presence of God. And friends, we learned this, that pain gives way to perspective in the presence of God. Our pain gives way to perspective in the presence of God. Friends, this is what I want you to know this morning. When you are in the presence of God, things begin to look and feel differently. Pain may still be there, no doubt. Like pain may still be in your situation, but pain is no longer the predominant emotion. Our pain gives way to comfort, to peace, to hope, even, dare I say, joy that can only come from being near to God. Nothing's changed out here, right? Like, he's still in Jerusalem. He's still on the run. He's still fleeing. He still does not have any of the answers. Like, you would, you would be like me, right? Like, I would sing. Yeah, I'll sing praises to you as soon as you show me your five-step plan. <laughs> yeah, I'll be all good. I'll have a lot of exceeding joy as soon as you show me why. He doesn't have any of that. He doesn't have any of that. And yet he still has turned a corner because he has something better than answers. Friends, there is something better than answers. 
and it's the presence of God himself. Paul says this. Paul's in prison. Paul is like the New Testament equivalent of the sons of Korah, right? And look what he says. He says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, when you come into the presence of God, there is a peace that passes understanding. What that means is there is a peace and a comfort that should not make any sense because nothing in your circumstances have changed yet. And yet your only explanation for the turnaround, your only explanation for this new rationale is this. Oh, well, now I see God. The problem is still there. The pain is still there. But I'm going to be all right because he's with me. And so I will praise him because pain gives way to perspective in the presence of God. You see, friends, we're human and we often say, God, why? But when we ask why, God usually answers, here I am. God, why? Here I am. But God, but, but like why? Here I am. God answers our why with a who? Himself. In his presence, we find what it means to have God be our exceeding joy. Because pain gives way to perspective, friends in the presence of God. Pain gives way to perspective in the presence of God. I don't know the answer to your problem. I don't know why, but I know this to be true. Pain gives way to perspective in the presence of God. And so we come to these moments of perspective. We come to these moments of faith and clarity. And have you ever been there where you said, man, I get it, I see it, I'm raising my hands, I'm singing. I wish I can bottle this up right now. I wish I can bottle up this perspective and drink it later when I don't feel this perspective. I wish that I can capture this moment and freeze frame it. Can't do that. And so our psalmist does the next best thing. He captures it in music. Can't put it in a bottle, but you can put it in a poem. And so he has this perspective. He sees God's perspective on his pain. He goes, wait a minute, I have God. And so he writes the final chorus for the final time. Look what he says in verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You see, he began this verse this morning, friends, saying, God, why? He moved on from there and he said, God, bring me near. And now he ends our song with the third prayer. He says, soul, remember. Soul, remember. He's looking at his soul and he sings this chorus, this beautiful chorus filled with perspective. He says, why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil? He knows the answer. This is not like a weird, like he forgot. It's encouragement. Why are you cast down? This is like me looking at my toddler who fell off his bike, right? And I look at it and I tend to, I go, why are you crying? I know why he's crying. He fell off his bike, but I'm soothing him. Why? It's not that bad, right? He's speaking encouragement to his soul. How beautiful is it? He began this psalm saying, God, why? God, why? And now he's looking at his soul going, soul, why? What a transformation, huh? How do you get from verse one to verse five? I've already told you, pain gives way to perspective in the presence of God. 
And this is not a simplistic one-day lesson. This is not something you do. You come to church, you learn to go, oh, I see now. Check. I'm happy. No, remember the tides of grief? You got to sing the chorus to yourself as often as you need to. You, friends, once you know truth, yes, you know perspective, yes, you have some answers, yes, you've listened to the sermon series, but there will be times where you still need to look in the mirror and speak truth to yourself and say, soul, remember. And that's where our psalmist is. His mind may still be racing in turmoil some mornings. He may still have some nights where he's alone and his thoughts and emotions threaten to overtake him, but in those moments, he speaks truth to himself. He turns to the presence of God and he says, hope in God. He reminds himself that when in the presence of God, the pain will give way to praise. It will not last forever. You shall again praise him. And how does he know this? Because he's been here before. He knows it to be true. He remembers that pain gives way to perspective in the presence of God. When I'm going through something difficult, when I'm in grief, when I'm sad, when I'm mourning, I don't know if you're like me, but I can smell cheap cliches from a mile away. Right? When I'm going through something, I don't want anything to do with the quick, easy, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. Well, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. Well, you know, God is sovereign. Well, you know, we all have a purpose. Oh, well, you know, and I'm just like, I don't want anything to do with those because they feel so trite. They, they, they don't adequately grasp a, a level of understanding. Like, do you understand what I'm feeling? We're almost allergic to those kind of things. Friends, this chorus is anything but cheap cliches and easy answer. What he's saying here in verse 5, this is a perspective that has been birthed in pain in the presence of God. And so when he says this, why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil? There's nothing cheap about it. This is real perspective. Hope in God, for you shall again praise him, your salvation and your God. Hope in God, church. You shall again praise him. How do I know this? Because he's Yahweh your salvation, and your God. Are you grateful for that truth? Are you grateful for that perspective that the Lord offers us, that the psalmist can write? Remember where he got that perspective. Remember where the chorus was birthed. It was in the presence of God because pain gives way to perspective in the presence of God. Pain gives way to perspective in the presence of God. And so how do we get to the presence of God? You hang a left on Idlewild, you're going to go down a quarter of a mile, you're going to see the holy altar right there. <laughs> hey, you're going to go down 50 all the way, you know, and you're going to see the holy hill. No, no, we don't have a holy hill. We don't have an altar. How can we come into the presence of God? How can we ever dare to pray, God, bring me near? God who is in heaven, God who is so far away, we don't have a hill. So how can I get into the presence of God? Well, you see, the Lord, he answered his prayer in a way that he could have never imagined. In Psalm 43, he said, send me your light and your truth. And a thousand years later, God sends his light and his truth with a capital L and a capital T, and his name was Jesus. 
See, we don't have to seek out to find God's presence because God came to us. His presence was with us. Jesus made his home among us. But wait, it gets better. Church, it gets better. Not only did he live among us, when he departed, when he died, rose again, and ascended to heaven, he then made his home within us. He gave us the Holy Spirit. And look what he says. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, he dwells with you and will be in you. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you follow him? Have you received the Holy Spirit, God's presence, dwelling not in a tabernacle, not on a hill, not in an altar, dwelling in our midst? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Do you know what it's like to have God put his spirit on you, which means that you are now part of the family? The Spirit is given to those who put their faith in Jesus. Tell Jesus where you're at and he will make his home with you. Put your faith in Jesus and he puts his spirit inside of you. And friends, we're a church here. We don't like, this is not like a, hey, good luck, go get him in life. Hope you do that Jesus thing. No, we are a community of people that are learning to live for Jesus. And so if you're here and you say, I wanna learn more about being in God's family, you can talk to us. This is so real. You can literally talk to anybody in this room. You can text us, like text us. Hey, can we have coffee? We would love to talk with you about your next steps. We would love to tell you how Jesus has changed our life and how his presence is now with us everywhere we go. You see, we no longer need to go to the presence of God. His presence is now with us. And so at any moment, this is what I can do, at any moment as a Christian, I can turn my heart upward and go, oh yeah, he's with me. And I practice his presence because I know that pain gives way to perspective in the presence of God. Pain gives way to perspective in the presence of God. And so here's how I would like us to respond this morning. As the band comes up, we're going to take communion together this morning. We're going to take communion. And as you hold your communion elements, I'm going to ask you this question. Where in our psalm are you? Where in our psalm are you? And so look at this, guys. Some of you this morning, some of you are still in verse 1, and you're asking the question, God, why? If you're here, I don't expect you to be at verse 5 in five minutes. And neither does the Lord. If you're here, here's your next step. Talk to God. Tell him where you're at. You can pour out your heart to God honestly and say, God, why? Maybe you're here in this room and you're not asking God why. You're just saying, God, bring me near. I've said it all. I've prayed, Sam, trust me. I, God knows how I feel. But my pain is so great that I feel like I can't even come to him. So you can ask God, God, bring me near. Bring me to the place where pain gives way to perspective. Don't allow your pain to keep you from God. Don't allow your pain to make you feel dirty or evil that you can't come to him. Say, God, bring me near. Or maybe you're here and, and the grief is in the rearview mirror, right? You, you're healed, you've moved on, but every once in a while you feel the tides of grief 
and you feel them come and you, and you feel that little stab out of nowhere. And you go, where did that come from? In those moments, you're here at number three. You need to say, soul, remember. Soul, remember. Remember who we're dealing with here. Remember his past salvation. Why are you cast down, oh my soul? And in those moments, you remind your soul of where to go. The presence of God. Because there, pain gives way to perspective in the presence of God. Let me pray for you and then I will have you guys stand. After, actually, let's just stand right now. We'll stand. I'll pray and then after we pray, you can think about which one of those you are. One, two, or three, and we'll partake of the elements. Father, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you teach us about pain and grief. You teach us, Lord, you give us words to express ourselves. And more than anything, we thank you for Jesus, who was acquainted with grief, Lord. He knew the pain of human existence, Lord. Right now, we hold in our hands the, sig the, the, the physical symbols of that pain. And we remember that he can empathize with us. So Lord, as we process the pain, help us to remember that we can trust you because we're holding proof in our hands, Lord, that you have given yourself for us. And so Lord, save us. Continue to save us. Continue to keep our eyes on Jesus. I pray for this church that as we come into your presence that you would give us perspective, Lord. That when we say, God, why? You would give us yourself. And that would be enough. We love you, Father, and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.